goes, it's not me. Let's try it again. John, did you figure that out? He's got it. He's got it. He's a good guy. All right. One, two, three, there is a river. You know, when you have situations like this, you have to go, hmm. You go, well, what's all that about? I believe that God's going to do a great thing today. And I believe God's got a great message for you. And I believe that God wants to speak something deep into your life. And my, what I'm asking you today to do is I'm asking you to take this moment in all of the confusion, all of the trouble, all of the difficulty, and I'm asking you to set that aside for a moment and just go, hmm. There you go. Amen. He said, what are you, he said, what are you doing? Well, what I'm doing is I'm calming down. I'm, I'm exercising all of my anger management skills right at the moment. All of them are at work right at the moment. Amen. Say, so, well, how do you, well, I taught the class for 10 years. I wrote the class. It's a real drag when the guy that wrote the class has to go to his own class. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes what you got to do is you just got to take a breath, stand up here for a moment and go, hmm. I remember one time hearing an old guy preach and he says, uh, he's telling the story about this older preacher that always seemed to go through life. He was unflappable. He just seemed to be always consistent, never mad, never angry. And he says, I walked up to him one day and I asked him, he says, how do you do that? And he goes, well, I just pretend that the world is an insane asylum and I am the only doctor. 
He says, think about it. He goes, think about it for a moment. He goes, if you went to an insane asylum and people are going crazy and calling you names and doing all kinds of wild and crazy stuff, you would just go, hmm, that's interesting. You wouldn't be mad at them. You would just go, that's part of the condition. And so he goes, I just changed my perspective. And so what we're doing right at the moment is changing perspective. Amen. Just getting a grip on everything. Well, if you have your Bibles, you could turn over to the book of John, the book of John, chapter 4, and we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. Um, over the past few years, um, I've spent quite a bit of time teaching our congregation about um, the need for a relationship with God. And the thing that we have discovered in these last several years is that there is no substitute for a relationship with God. The reality is today, there are a lot of people, including Christians, and listen to what I'm saying, including Christians, that try to substitute lots of things into their life for a relationship with God. They try to put all kinds of things in that they think are going to satisfy, things that they think are going to make them happy, things that they think are going to make them feel better or make life a little bit easier or that they're going to be able to get through life a little bit quicker. <clears throat> but the truth is this morning, there is no substitute for a relationship with God. And the thing that I, I, I've come to understand is that we all come to a place in our lives where we have a moment of discovery. And what we discover in those moments is just how desperately we really do need God. Yeah. Now, it's, it's funny to me because, you know, when everything is going good, when everything is going well, oftentimes Christians have a very bad habit at setting God aside. We, we, we don't ignore him completely. We don't completely disown him, but we kind of put him in his place, as it were. And we kind of just put him to the edge of our life, saying, hey, you know what? I'll give you that hour, that 60 to 90 minutes on Sunday. That's okay. I'll give you that. But you know what? Things are going quite well. And right now, I don't really need you. I, I think oftentimes God in Christianity is kind of like a fire extinguisher. He's hidden behind the glass with the words written on the glass, in case of emergency, break the glass. And that's what we do is we go up and we break the glass and in the emergency we, we grab him and go, there, I, I really need you. But the truth is today, even in your good times, even when everything is going the way you want it and everything is just right, you need God. We may not understand it. We may not recognize it, but it is God that we need. You know, you come to that place where <coughs> you realize something's missing. I feel empty. I feel vulnerable and I, I feel unsatisfied. And it usually happens when things aren't going right, when life is difficult. And it's in those moments when our need for God is so strong that we discover what we really need is His strength. We need His grace, His love, His mercy, 
his stability. And there is no doubt in my mind that it is through the act of worship that we find those things in our life. And I want you to pay attention to me. See, we can't afford this morning to miss this powerful truth concerning our relationship with him. And I want you to, I want you to take some time with me this morning and, and follow along because I believe this will really help your life. In John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, the Bible says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Now, that's a pretty powerful portion of Scripture. Listen to what he says. <coughs> He's telling us that God is looking for something. He's seeking for true worshipers. Can you say amen? amen? But we've got to ask ourselves what this thing worship is really all about. Because <coughs> it's important that we truly understand it. See, worship isn't about a song or about a service. Worship this morning is about a lifestyle. And if you get anything, <coughs> please get that. Worship is about a lifestyle. See, I think the problem is, is that we've come to a place where we live our lives and, and we kind of categorize our lives, don't we? we? We tend to slice up our life. We have our job. We have our hobbies. We have our family. We have our church. And everybody gets a little piece of the pie, as it were, right? And so what we do is we kind of categorize God into this piece of the pie. And so when we have a song service or we come to church and, and we have this group up here, we, we go, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll worship a little bit there. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Or I'll seek him there. Or, but then the rest of our life, he's kind of neglected. Well, let me tell you something today. God doesn't want just a slice of the pie. God wants the whole pie. And you say, well, if I give him the whole pie, what's going to be left for me? Only when you give him the whole pie will you be truly satisfied. See, when you reserve some of the pie for you, you will find that none of the pie satisfies. But it's only when we give all of it to him that now it actually has the ability to satisfy. Can you say Amen. See, worship this morning is, is not about a song or a service. It's about a lifestyle. It's about the fruit of making a decision to lift his name and to magnify him above everything else. Our Father in heaven is worthy of all glory and honor, and he is to be the priority in all that we do. Now, th this is a great thing to shout amen to, but we have to ask ourselves, is God truly the priority in everything that I do? Think about it. Hang on. Is God a priority in you dealing with your boss? Well, hang on there, preacher. Dealing with the boss, that's my business. No, it's God's business. 
and he wants to be a priority in the way you deal with people, in the way you look at life, in the way that you function, the way you do marriage, the way you raise children, the way you spend your money. Whoa, now you're starting to meddle. Get out of my money. Get out of my wallet. Some of us need God to invade our wallet. Can you say amen? And so what we need is God to be a priority in all we do. See, when you really start to understand worship, you'll begin to see that worship really is about a relationship. See, as we grow deeper into worship, we are drawn deeper into him. And it's through worship that we experience the deepest levels of intimacy with God. Worship is at the very heart of our relationship with God. Nothing is more important and nothing can replace it. And that's why worship should remain a significant priority in the life of every believer. I believe this morning that if we neglect in our daily lives this thing called worship, we will never walk in the place that God has called us to. And when difficult days come, we will find ourselves lacking. How many have ever, don't raise your hand, have ever lacked? The reality is we've all felt that thing called lack. But the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is full. The kingdom of God is rich. The kingdom of God is satisfying. In the kingdom, there's grace forevermore. In the kingdom of God, there's always hope. There's always goodness and mercy and grace. In the kingdom of God, there's more than we can ever ask for. But that dynamic, those dynamics of the kingdom can only be be experienced through a healthy life of worship. Can you say amen? amen? See, our text says that he's looking, he's seeking. You know, there's a difference between looking and seeking. How many know what I'm talking about? See, looking is a how many have ever seen a looky-loo? <laughs> you, know, you know, looky-loos are a drag, especially when it comes to traffic. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, it's people that are, you know, they're, they're rubbernecking. They're looking at stuff. And it's like, get on down the road. If you want to look at something, go stand out in front of it. Don't, don't do it when you're in the car. How many know what I'm talking about? See, they're just looking. They, they're not really interested. They're just looking. See, God's not looking for worshipers. He's seeking them. It's an, an impl- it implies that he is getting off his throne and he's moving into Life, and he's saying, who is going to worship me? And as we begin this new series entitled A Life of Worship, we're going to, for the next few weeks, explore the benefits of a lifestyle of worshiping God. And what I want you to do for the next few minutes is I want you to put down your preconceived ideas about worship, and I want you to really consider what I'm saying here today, because I believe that it will make a very real difference in your life if you'll, if you'll catch this with me. Now, I was studying this out. I've been studying this for quite some time and reading about it. And I came across <coughs> a statement that Jack Hayford wrote about worship. And listen, listen to what he says. I, I'm just going to read it the way he wrote it. He says, in a tropical jungle, a man bowed down, bows down before a crude stick figure in a fantastic Asian temple 
Another burns incense before a richly decorated Buddha. A small group of people meet in an unobtrusive building in a small town in Nebraska to sing and pray together. Another man in the suburbs of Dallas spends the entire morning meticulously washing and waxing his foreign-made sports car. A teenage girl spends hours in her poster-plastered bedroom listening to her favorite rock star. All of these people are worshiping. In some cases, the worship is formal and easy to recognize. In others, we would generally hesitate to even call it worship at all. However, everyone worships something or someone. Listen to what I'm saying. That is a powerful truth because you and I are hardwired to worship. We cannot deny it. Even if what you worship is self, you are worshiping something or someone. Can you say amen? Man by nature is a worshiper. Whether we acknowledge it or recognize it, we all worship. Some people worship their jobs. Some people worship money. Some worship possessions. Some people worship goals and desires. Some worship pleasure. And for heaven's sake, some people even worship God. But many people do not recognize the fact that they're actually engaged in the practice of worship because they do not have a clear idea of what worship is really all about. See, understanding the meaning of worship is a really good place to begin. And the reason that is, is because until we really understand, excuse me, until we understand its meaning, we will never understand its exercise. The reason we have such a hard time worshiping is because we just don't know what it means. What is worship? What does it mean? What is worship really all about? And until we really understand it, we will never really exercise it. See, worship comes from an old English word that means to ascribe worth unto. See, the essential idea of worship is that whatever you value most is what you're going to worship. See, I can tell what you worship just by the priorities of your life. Have you ever met somebody that the priority of their life is self? Guess what they worship? It's all about me. Come on. Do you know that people that are constantly negative, always bummed out, always complaining, do you know what they're worshiping? Themselves. Why? Because that's their priority. They're worshiping the fact that they just don't have enough. It's all about me. People that tend to be insecure, it's about worship. Because what are they doing? They're worshiping self. We can worship all kinds of things in this life. And what it really means is that we're putting value on something. And listen, what you worship has great power of influence. Because it determines what you will become. Do you know that? Did you know what you worship will determine who you are and what you'll become? Look at Psalm 115. It contains one of the most insightful statements in all of Christianity. Psalm 115, 2 through 8. It says, why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven. 
He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Now listen, those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. In this passage, the psalmist is talking about idolatry, and he's talking about the inadequacy of idols people worship. Then he makes this observation that those that worship them are like them, or those that make them are like them. In other words, the Bible says you become like the God you worship. Are you hearing me? See, worship this morning means that you are developing a set of values. You are determining what you desire most. Worship means you're choosing priorities and you are establishing what comes first in your life. Worship means that you are determining what you become. Are you hearing me this morning? You are choosing in whose image you're going to be made. See, the person, the place, or thing that we worship, what it does is it manifests its attributes in us. And in deciding, whether knowingly or ignorantly, what or whom we will worship, we are also making a decision how we're going to live our lives. That's why worship is so powerful. And we've got to understand it. And when you understand that you're hardwired to worship, that means you're going to worship something. Your worship will determine what flows from your life. And our highest achievements in this life can only come through glorifying God who is worthy of all glory. See, some may find temporary glory in their work, but it's going to fade. Some might even be reminded, uh, we may even remember them beyond their lifetime. But all that we have gained in this life will be nothing when we stand in the presence of Jesus in eternity. Listen, your life is going to become just like what you worship. Are you hearing me? Now, if we choose to worship the Lord, if we choose to look towards the unseen, if we choose to make God our priority, then we will make an everlasting impact, an impact that will endure. He said, why are you preaching this, pastor? Because see, I, I've come to a point in life where things have gotten kind of difficult in this life. Not with me. I think I've, I live a really good life. I, I think I'm blessed. I think that life is good for me. But oftentimes I'm confronted with problems that have no answer. I am confronted with issues where I'm thinking, how is this going to work out? Marriages that seem to blow apart, families that don't seem to stay together, people that are desperate for something of God. But see, somewhere what we've done is we've divorced ourselves from this process of worship and we've just made God a part of our life, not our life. That's got to stop. That's got to stop. You say, why is that? Because, see, it, God is more than life. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he wants to be a priority 
in our lives. And if we'll make him a priority, we will find answers and solutions, and we will find a supernatural involvement and intervention into our lives where this world cannot fix. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we see that some very significant issues arise from how we worship. See, when we bring our hearts into alignment with whatever we worship, we are allowing our hearts to begin to mirror what we worship. Think about that for a moment. Ask yourself, who do you really seek? Who are you really looking for? When you came to church today, who did you come to listen to? Me or God? Did you come to be entertained? Did you come to say, hey, you know what? Just lead us in and take care of us and feed us. Well, somewhere along the line, church, what we've got to do is make God a priority that says, you know what, God? I'm going to enter in and I'm seeking you while you're seeking me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Who do you submit to? What are the goals that you're pressing toward? What is the object of your worship? See, those that seek the Lord, you will find him. Think about that for a moment. It's only when we seek him that we discover what we're really made for. See, that's part of the equation. See, I think this has been lost, church. I, I've been thinking a lot about this. It's, it's in this process of seeking God. It's in this relationship that's back and forth, this passion that moves back and forth <coughs> that we discover who we are. It's in that. But see, church, if God takes a second seat, if there are other priorities, then we become like that and not like him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we end up not finding him. And when we don't find him, we don't know who we are. And when we don't know who we are, we can never be what he's called us to be. Are you hearing me? See, those who follow another God will discover what other gods provide whether it's worry or fear or anger or lust, pleasure, self or <coughs> emptiness this morning, you will become what you worship, what you prioritize in your life. J.B. Phillips said this. <coughs> he said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in every one of us, a vacuum that can only be filled by God. Are you hearing me? You can't put anything else in there. You could put drugs, alcohol, sex. You could put money. You could put just idleness. You can watch TV all your life. It will never fulfill you. It's only God. See, God created us for himself. And the fulfillment of our hearts comes as a direct result of coming to him and growing in him. Listen to this verse of scripture. I thought this was interesting. In Jeremiah 29, 10 through 13, the Bible says these words. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you've searched for me with all of your heart. Now listen to this. This this is a prophecy that's coming to Israel concerning 
their return to their homeland. They'd been in captivity in Babylon for many years, and just like you and I were in captivity in sin, yet in the midst of it, God visits them. How many know even in sin, God visits us? And he tells them what he thinks about them. He goes, these are the thoughts I have towards you, to give you a hope. (coughs) And God's thoughts are always filled with hope concerning us. Can you say amen? But then he goes on and he says, if you will seek me, you will find me. And he qualifies it. He says, if you seek me with your whole heart. Now, I, I used to struggle with that because it's almost like this is conditional. And, but what he's saying, he's looking at us and he's saying, look, at, if you will seek me with some passion, if you will engage me with everything that you are, if you will come at me with your whole life, you will find me. That's what he's saying today. And what we need more than anything else is we need God. Can you say amen? We need him. We need to find God in our lives. See, church, we're all facing crises and difficulties. And we're all facing these things where we don't know what to do. But I can guarantee you, God, one moment in God, one moment, one moment in that place with him, and everything can change. Listen to me today, church. Think about, the, think about the demoniac. How many remember the demoniac? Here's a guy that's got more issues than Time Magazine. This is a guy that, you know what, he's called the demoniac. The, the, the Bible tells us that he's filled with demons, a legion of demons. All, the only thing the world knew to do with this guy was to chain him to a tree. But every time they chained him to a tree, his problems would just break those chains. All they knew how to do is bind him up. How many know that's what the world does? The world, you know what the world will offer you? Just more bondage. The world will offer you just more captivity. The world won't offer you freedom. They'll tell you it's freedom. They'll tell you this will set you free. But in the end, you'll be bound to the same problem that you've always been bound to. And you'll end up breaking that chain. And just like the demoniac, you will run in the place of death. And all you could do is hurt yourself. This is exactly what the demoniac represented. But there came a day when Jesus showed up. And this demoniac saw Jesus. And the last thing that was inside of him reached out. And he ran towards. He saw. Jesus. Jesus became the priority in that moment and he gets to him and the son of God had compassion on him and in one moment of time he goes from being the demoniac to where he is clothed, seated and in his right mind. And church I declare to you that is what we need. Listen to me church. It's, it's, it's It's too easy to come into church and never connect. It's too easy to come in and, and, and just stand. You know what the difference between, remember I was talking to you about looking and seeking? It's the difference between observation and participation. Here's what happens in most churches. This is song service. Come on. 
What you doing? Oh, I'm worshiping God. <laughs> really? That's worship? Come on, church. Look, I, I, <coughs> I'm not trying to mock. I'm trying to make a point. <coughs> if this coughing don't get me first. <laughs> what point am I trying to make? Church, somewhere we gotta, we gotta stop being lukewarm. We, we need to be passionate. See, worship, worship is about a connection. Can you imagine when, when I, you know, Kathy and I, we, we started dating 33 years ago. And when, on our first date, it was June 8th, <clears throat> we went to Pizza Hut, had pizza. And then we went to a movie called The Goonies. Now, Goonies is not really a scary movie, but she said it was, and she cuddled up right next to me and... <laughs> Who was I to argue? <laughs> but can you imagine? Imagine me asking, hey, you want to go on a date? She says, sure, let's go to date. And can you imagine just sitting? <laughs> Pizza, okay. That wasn't what happened. Man, I'm looking deep into her eyes. I'm wanting to know who she is. I'm talking to her. I'm saying, you know what, God, I love you. You know what I'm saying? Somewhere along the line, I'm really making a connection. Why? Because I was interested. You know what, church? We're too worried about time. Come on now. We're making a connection. What are we doing today? We're doing business with God. We're connecting with Him. And the reality is we need to be passionate about Him. We need to enter in. We need to walk into His presence. Look at when you worship, His presence comes. He says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. That's what He's telling us. Amen. He said, why are you preaching this, Pastor Rick? Because this is so needed. I am so um, overwhelmed by how much we need him. And I thought for years, I thought, God, there's got to be a better way. And he says, there is. Connect with me. Connect with me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at our text again. He says this. He says in John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. He says, but the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. You know what that saying is? Worship is not an option. It is not an option. Worship is central to who we are. It's central to our relationship with God. We don't worship God for what we get out of it, but what we will do is we honor Him and we recognize His value and His worth. And what happens is He comes on the scene and He begins to engulf our lives. See, worship is not some sort of uh, a weekly pep talk. 
to rally the troops. Worship is not a motivational seminar. It's, it's not the alternative to a Saturday night rock concert. But worship is about the formation of our hearts in the presence of God. Do you understand that the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people and it's when we worship him that he comes on the scene. But do we want him? Do we want him? Do we want him in our homes? Do we want him in our marriages? Do we want him in our families? Let me tell you something. What will happen? He'll, he'll move the furniture. He'll change the paint on the walls. He'll, he'll get involved. But I guarantee you, you'll be better for it. He will change your lives to what you really are looking for. But we've got to worship him. See, worship is about shaping our lives in him. <clears throat> it's about the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's about preparation for battle. Worship occurs when we encounter God. Actually, that's not true. Worship is an encounter with God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a meeting between God and his people. But church, let me say this to you. You're going to have to enter in. You're going to have to make a decision to say, God, I'm going to prioritize you. I'm going to be more worried about who you are than who are the people around me. Are you hearing me? Now, I want you to think about this for a moment because I'm bringing this to a close. I want you to think with me for a moment. Worship is about a life that is completely given over to God. Now, I want you to listen to this verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore... Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, present your bodies. I'll say it again. Present your bodies. Your bodies. Present them. What does that mean? It means that my spiritual worship is about a presentation of my flesh. See, praise is the fruit of my lips. Lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Are you hearing my, what I'm saying? It's about praising God. It's about saying, you know what, God, you are the priority. Worship is about declaring his greatness. Listen to this, Psalms 95. It says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are, all, are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Amen. See, church, we, we got to get back to that kind of thing. That's what we got to get back to. Worship is about lifting his name. Isaiah 25, 1 says, Oh, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Psalms 138, 2 says, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I will give thanks to your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Listen, because your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. That's why we worship him. That's why. Worship is about humility, 
Philippians 3.3 says, For we who worship God in spirit are the only ones who are truly circumcised. Listen to this. He links worship with circumcision. Why? Because circumcision was a very intimate, private thing. It's being exposed completely to God and making a covenant with Him. That's what worship is. We put no confidence in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Christ has done for us. Worship is about opening our hearts to Him. In Exodus 35 and 20, it says, All the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its services and for the holy garments. There came both men and women, as many as had willing hearts and brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces and jewelry. This, uh, that is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Here, right in the mix of taking up a collection, they're worshiping God. They're worshiping Him, and they have willing hearts. And finally, worship is about making Him a priority. Listen to the scene in heaven. Revelations 5, 11 through 14. Then I looked again, and I heard the singing of thousands and millions of angels. I suspect it's a little loud. <laughs> Around the throne of the living beings and the elders... And they sang in a mighty chorus, The Lamb is worthy, the Lamb who was killed. He is worthy to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven, (coughs) and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea. And they also sang, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power belong to the one sitting on the throne, and the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped God and the Lamb. That's it. That's what we need to do, church. Listen to me. The reason that I preach this message to you today is because we need to capture once again. Church, we can't afford to just mark time. We can't afford. There's too many things in our lives. I think, I think I'm going to take a new stand in counsel, in counseling. I think my first question is going to be from now on, how's your worship? Amen. It's a good question. So many people come to me wanting an answer. Look at, I, don't, I barely have answers for me. But look at, God has answers for everyone. And it's in Him. If I can help you to worship Him, if I can help you to make a connection with Him, I guarantee your life will change. But we've got to make a decision, church. We've got to make a decision. We have got to enter in. We've got to let God be God. And we've got to, get, we've got to quit worrying about things that are irrelevant. They're just irrelevant. And we've just got to say, you know what, God, you are my life. The life that I now live, I live in you by faith. I'm dead, but I'm alive in him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what we need to do. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your abundance. Father, I just just give you glory. I give you honor. I magnify you today and I worship you. I just lift your name, for your name is worthy. Your name is like no other name. It's awesome.
Your name is mighty. Your name is everlasting and everlasting. And God, I glorify you today. And I pray today for everyone in this room, God, that has listened to this message, everyone online that has listened to this message, that, Lord, would be touched by the truth of this word. Lord, that we would capture this. Lord, that this would, this would sink into our lives, God. That we would be stirred to worship you. That you, Father, would ignite that passion in us again. Father, that we would not be content any longer just to mark time, but Lord, we would, we would seek to have a connection and encounter with you. God, that we wouldn't come to church unchanged, but God, that we would come and be changed. Lord, that our lives would be revolutionized by your presence. We love you today. And I wonder today, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if, if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not right with God, but you want to get right with God. You want Jesus in your life. You want your sins forgiven. You say, that's me. Raise your hand. Amen. I see those hands. Those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Other hands. You can put them down. Thank you very much. Thank you. Would you pray this prayer with me? All of you, would you say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins, to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life, and I surrender to you. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? Amen. Thank you.